So I listened to episode 54. I was quite proud of myself for catching this. How was your 50th birthday party? <laughs> it was great because it's in two years. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sadly, I'll be celebrating my 49th in 2021. So you'll have to wait till 2022. <laughs> That's awkward. Uh, we'll keep it in. You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we talk with Jason Atwood, COO of Arcus Incorporated, who uses OmniFocus to get things done. Welcome everybody to The Omni Show, and welcome to a brand new year. Since we do have a new year upon us, we thought what better way to kick off 2021 than to talk with Jason Atwood. Now, if you've been listening to The Omni Show for any amount of time, you'll recall that Jason did join us once before. It was on episode 54. He's been a longtime OmniFocus user, and everybody at his company uses OmniFocus. And we figured, hey, it's a new year. People might be capitalizing on that fact to take a fresh look at their task management systems, give their productivity a little bit of a boost. So let's talk to the guy that's been playing this game for a while and dive deeper into what can make a successful practice with OmniFocus. So Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, my pleasure. We're so grateful you're here. And maybe people didn't get to listen to episode 54. Uh, we wanted to dive deeper into your specific system this episode, but for folks that missed that part one, can you maybe give them a thumbnail sketch of some of the gaps that I didn't quite fill in on that introduction? Sure, sure. So you already mentioned the title and the, and the company. We are a uh, consulting firm about under, just under 40 people. From my GTD history, I bought and read the book in 2004, have been practicing pretty strongly for, I think, well, 15 years, 15 years plus-ish. As an OmniFocus user, I was in there, and I always love it when someone brings up the Kinkless GTD, because I was in there with Omni Outliner and Kinkless GTD and, you know, searching for a tool. So I've been a OmniFocus user before OmniFocus existed and was in the beta when it first came out, going back and forth with Ken about it. So that was, I think I had a sneaky peek on May 17th, 2007. Yeah, I captured that. So there you go. <laughs> and, you know, currently I'm obviously a massive OmniFocus user on the desktop and mobile. And as a company, it's we are a company that follows the GTD practices. Everybody gets trained in GTD, reads the book as part of their onboarding process, gets trained. In fact, I just did GTD training for three people at, at Arcus an hour ago and three new employees, and we give them tools. So we like to make the analogy of, hey, when you arrive at a company, you get email, you get a calendar, you get your CRM, you get your whatever else tools, you get your laptop, you get your phone, and OmniFocus is just one of the tools you get. At, and we also then train people on OmniFocus. So it's a little unique because it's not something I know a lot of companies do, but something we feel is extremely important in our industry anyway. Well, I wanted to lead with this question. I thought it was so interesting listening to episode 54, hearing you talk about Salesforce. And since you help move businesses to the digital space using Salesforce, you know the issue of just there's infinite points of data that people can get bogged down in versus having that focused dashboard of metrics that really, really matter the most. And, you know, part of your job I see is, is helping to pare that down for companies. So I guess my question is, how do you go about doing that? How do you decide, hey, this data doesn't matter, but this over here, we really need to pay attention to that. 
Yeah. I, what I do is sort of start with just numbers, right? We know as our human brain and listening to all the experts on how many things we can keep in our brain and how many things we can focus on is really just saying, what can you take as a human being, as an organization in terms of the numbers, right? If I said some big company, Arcus, we need to focus on these 3,000 key things next year. People would be, wait, what? You can't focus on 3,000 things next year. Of course not. So that's why most people and most organizations and humans, I think, haven't really figured this out as much, but they try to break it down to a sizable chunk of things. What can we realistically do? What are the key metrics we need to think about for that next year? That's why people don't make 150 goals for next year for the company. They make five or three or seven. Here are the seven things. How many times you walk into an office and I walk into, or I used to walk into a lot of offices, not so much, but, and you see on the wall, the, here's our five key principles, or they get you to to break them down and only have a smaller list. Because honestly, we can only We can only remember so much and we can only focus on so much in any given year. I think it's fun if you take that into a human aspect and that you as a human on this planet can only focus on so many things in a given year. David Allen talks about having this many projects and this many next actions. And part of what I do and train people on and to think about is you do have a limitation. We only have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and maybe 90 plus years on this planet. You can't do everything. So what are, what is your number? How many can you get done? How many can you focus on? And that's where I start people off. And that's how we get down to a sort of something more manageable to prioritize. Because once you can get that list of three, five, 10, 30, now we're doing something that we can kind of walk through and turn into something actionable. Yeah, and I I do feel like that makes sense. And I guess what I'm getting at is there anything instructional that people can use for their own lives and their own OmniFocus system? I mean, there's infinite options expanding in front of us. And and how do you decide that, you know what, these are the metrics that matter in my personal OmniFocus system? Yeah, for me, it's I break down my function in OmniFocus in terms of numbers, in sort of, and and I've sort of done this over the, well, I guess the last 10 years or so, because I have learned that there is a limit to me, right? As a human being, I can only have so much on my plate. What is stress to people, but having too much on your plate, not being able to get enough done, not being able to live up to your commitments. That's the stress. That's the, well, most people are just poorly overcommitted. Most people are overcommitted because they don't have a list of all of their commitments. I use OmniFocus and the GTD methodology to say, okay, if I've captured everything, put it in front of me. Now I can say, here's the number that I can sustain. Here's how many active projects I need to have in order to not feel overwhelmed. And it took me years and years to figure it out, to kind of go through what is my capacity level? How much can I keep on my level? And I used to do it, I actually do it in my weekly review. I built it in years and years ago to look at how many active projects I have. And it used to be, get your active projects under 100. And then I said, okay, well, do I feel good? I'm like, nope, still stressed. Okay, get it under 80. Uh, nope, still don't feel feel good. And I kept lowering the number over weeks and months until I got to a point where I now look at my OmniFocus in, and it's built into my week review and built is like, I know that the number for me is between 20 and 30. That's my number. That is where I feel good and not stressed. Over 30, I've got too much and I need to re- you know, renegotiate commitments with others or myself and say, look, it's too much. Under 20, 
I'm going to my on holds, right? What's on hold? What's in my waiting for? Or what's in my someday maybe? What's on my bucket list? What can I take on? Because I'm actually, I have more capacity. It's hard to do because it's not easy to kind of like, what is your capacity? But it allows me to sort of think of things as a very easy sort of set of numbers. And when someone comes to me and says, I want to throw that 33rd project on your plate, it makes it much easier to say, mm, maybe, I, maybe I can't do that. Or what else am I going to give up if I take on that project? That's really useful to think about this idea that we have limits as human beings. So what is that kind of capacity number for you as projects go? Do you mind sharing what is your definition of a project though? Is it, uh, you know, move the office or the traditional thing that, uh, you know, anything that requires two or more actions is considered a project? Yeah, I, I'm pretty by the book. I will tell you, there's, there's very few things that I'm not by the book when it comes to David Allen. I do think of it as and when I train people and talk about it, I'm like, pretty much everything's a project, you know, because if it, if you can't just do it, like ha- vacation to Hawaii, you don't just do vacation to Hawaii. There's no checkbox for that, right? There's a series of actions that take to get there. So I'm pretty by the book in terms of what equals a project. It is a series of little things that are physical, visible actions that I can do that at the end, when those, when all of them are done, the main thing is closed off. Right. So if it's as simple as, you know, watering the plants or doing my taxes or daily health routine or something, they are actually very, the tasks are very physical and visible. And then the, the main thing is, you know, the project itself is, is done because those things are done underneath it. That's really interesting. And I'm actually curious about this because I think sometimes when people hear from the outside looking in, oh man, that must be great, you know, that he has this portion of his life together and is kind of holding it up as this model for, for other people to to work by. But it really is possible. And, and one area that really shines for you is weekly reviews. I know that you are adamant about weekly reviews. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, again, I stick to the big things, get clear, get current, get creative. So I stick to the concepts of it. I have done one every single week. I did the calculation and wrote a blog post called eight tips after 800 week reviews because I figured out roughly when my 800th week review was. I do stick to it as pretty much a practice. The way I do that is every week review doesn't have to be the greatest week review, right? Sometimes because I'm on the road or doing something, it might be 15 minutes in an airport lounge and I power through and just check the boxes or do as much as I can. Other times it's two to three hours on a Saturday morning with a cup of coffee and, and I really dig into lots of stuff. But for me, it's like breathing. I can't imagine not doing it at this point. I always make the analogy of if you don't brush your teeth for a bit, they feel fuzzy or they feel like they have socks on. I don't know where I learned that, but then you feel like I got to brush my teeth. Well, that's the week review feels to me. If I go beyond that seven days, eight day, I would start to feel this icky, out of control, stress, like, oh, what is that feeling? Oh, it's you don't feel like you've completed the week. You've gotten in control of your things. You know what's in front of you. You know what's ahead of you. You know what your next couple of weeks look like. That feeling is so bad for me that I would never skip my week review. From from what's in it, it's a lot about going through all my inboxes, like what are the things that are coming at me, physical inboxes, digital inboxes, checking through those, seeing what's there, clearing them out, literally clearing them out, inbox zero, get my mail down to zero, review stuff that everywhere that's something that I'm, you know, that could be something waiting for me. There's stuff that I go inside of Salesforce because there's things inside my work there that are sort of inboxes. We use Slack, which is actually a <laughs> now owned by Salesforce. 
I have certain tasks that I go in there because again, there's inboxy type places that I need to to look at to, did I miss something? I mean, a lot of the week review for me is making sure that nothing slipped by, that I didn't miss an important Slack message or an important email or a document or a comment to me. I mean, that you know the amount of stuff that we're pounded on and with information. And I just trying to make sure that nothing slipped by. And then a lot of it's going back and going through a lot of things in OmniFocus, looking over upcoming projects, seeing what my calendar pieces is one of the things that I would never not do. If you gave me two minutes to do a week review, one minute would be open up OmniFocus and the next would be to do the calendar. I'd go back three weeks and go ahead three weeks and that'd be my week review if I had a two minute week review. So those types of things are cornerstone to my to the practice. <laughs> Excellent. Now, thank you for breaking that down. This show is airing at the start of a fresh year and we'll, you know, we all had great plans for 2020 and uh, it happened. So uh, let's say people are feeling some fresh motivation to just kind of ramp up their productivity habits or GTD or routines or uh, anything along that route. What advice might you have to somebody that's kind of looking to turbocharge their system for the new year and, and maybe even some specific routines that you engage in? Any advice in that route? You know, like, hey, it's a new year. Let's get things started. Sure. There's definitely lots of things that I do on a yearly basis. I've learned part of what I do in OmniFocus is a lot of things that repeat, but there are definitely things. There's maybe it's this closet that needs an emptying once a year or some financial tuning up, you know, at the end of the year, running a business. There's a lot of end of year stuff. And then there's some, hey, what's the next year look like? I like to, one of the things, again, harder to do it now, but maybe 2021 will offer this, but sort of look at my travel calendar. What do I want to do this year in terms of travel? Do I want to go someplace? Is there a place that I've always had on my list that I want to go do? Let's turn that from a someday maybe into a reality. Let's make a project in OmniFocus and let's activate it so I can set up a budget or save money or put it in my calendar. Things that I do from that perspective. From a getting started, from a, if you're using the New Year's resolution as a way to bolster your GTD life and, and get back on the wagon, as it were, I always give people the advice and try to stick to not overdoing it. Don't bite off more than you can chew. It's pretty much every one of these New Year's resolutions, the ones that don't get kept are the ones that are too big, right? They're like, oh, lose 50 pounds. Like, well, how about not go for the big gusto. So saying like, I'm going to implement full GTD and become a GTD master, it's too much and the higher rate of failure. I say start with something smaller. Start with one or two habits from GTD and try to master those. Take like two months or a month and say, I'm going to master the two minute rule, let's say for January. I'm just going to focus on that. I'm just going to focus on thinking, hey, can I do this within two minutes? If so, yes. If not, Okay, great. Maybe in February, I'll take on capture, right? Charles Duhigg and the power of habit. If it takes 30 to 60 days to create a keystone habit of doing something every single day, well, you have to do things tons and tons of times over to make them stick. So it's actually why I think the week review is the hardest, one of the harder habits to solidify because if you had to do it 30 to 40 times, well, guess how many times, guess how long that is? That's almost a year. You have to have practiced it every single week for a year to have it really kind of become a habit. That's where I say, don't try to take off everything. Don't try to do every little piece. And then the other piece of advice I give people when they're trying to get back on is start with some new content. Yes, you can go back and reread the book. I've read the book four times and listened to the book 
probably another eight. Sometimes I do use it as a way to put me to sleep if, if, uh, if I'm up. Uh, but find the new content. There's great content out there with lots of different people and different voices talking about GTD, talking about weekly review, talking about capturing or whatever. Find that different content. Maybe it's YouTube videos. Maybe it's podcasts. Maybe it's books or papers or websites, blogs and kind of reinvigorate yourself by seeing how others are doing it. And that I find really helps people kind of say, okay, they're doing it, I can do it. And then they get caught up and and hopefully build the habit that sticks. Now, what about your perspectives? What go-to perspectives do you use to really get control of your surroundings? As you might start to see, I'm a pretty much a keep it simple person, right? My system in OmniFocus is a simple system. It might feel complex, but it's not. So the same thing with perspectives. I don't have 300, I have maybe 20. My whole thing is, look, if you're gonna buy a new pair of shoes, can you recycle or donate the last pair? Same thing with perspectives. It's like, hey, you're gonna build a new perspective? Are there three that you don't use? Maybe you should delete them to get them so they're not creating cruft in your system. My main one, I basically stick between two main perspectives. One is called Arcus, which basically gives me a view of all my active projects that are within Arcus. If I need to focus on that for the workday, boom, show me that. And the other one's home. And it says, here's all your home stuff, basically everything that's not Arcus, right? My friends and family folder, my health, my finances, fun and travel. That folder has been empty for a while now and allows me to focus in on that. So I can kind of shift my brain back and forth if I want to. I rely heavily on the forecast view, not really a perspective, but I guess, a partly perspective. Like that is where I am every single day, all day. You know, I would say up there with my calendar in terms of how much I I look at it during the day. And then I actually love the built-in projects that just shows you everything, right? Show me all of my projects and all the things. Is there something I I can pick out? Is there something I can dig into today and get done? And then during my week reviews, when I use my the most perspectives, I have one, you know, I use, I have one called upcoming projects. Let me look, just like I look at my calendar and I look three weeks in advance, right? Let me look at my upcoming projects. Let me look at stuff that's coming up, that's literally set to start next week or the week after. I almost always find something that either, ooh, maybe I don't want to do that, or let me push that out further, or maybe I've already done it. Waiting, waiting by project show me everything I'm waiting for. And I capture all the, I capture everything that someone says they're going to commit to me for. Let me see, did I get any of those things? Did they come to me? Or is there more things that I need to look at? Another one I use is called recent additions, which is what have I added to OmniFocus in the last, I don't know, week and a half? Is there anything in there that I just put in that makes sense or that I need to update? So it kind of shows me a little bit of the, what have you done in OmniFocus in in the last week? Because it usually sparks something like, oh, oh, I added that. Ooh, that reminds me I need to do this. Capture in the system. Now, what about tags or contexts? How do they come into play? Yeah, it's funny because reading the book, you know, when he he talks originally about calls and internet and things like that, now everything is blurred, right? Call everything is one thing, (laughs) but I still use I still use context pretty consistently. I think of it two years ago that someone sort of put it in a way that made me just made my brain explode the right way, and it was actually something he doesn't talk about in the book. But it was using context, especially with software like OmniFocus, which allows you to filter. Use context as a way to show you what you can't do, right? I don't want to see 
errands if I'm sitting at my desk. I just need to see the stuff that I can do right now. So context can filter out things as well as show you what you can. He talked about it, show your calls list, show your, you know, your internet list, show your computer list. How about just show me the things I can do. I don't want to see things I can't do right now. So filter out those contexts. And that kind of like was a big aha moment for me. So I'm pretty typical. Like I use, you know, I use them for you know, I use it for software, so I've definitely have to go do something in Salesforce. Yeah, Salesforce is on the internet, but it's a specific place that I need to go to, so I use that. Uh, we use a lot of the Google Suites, so I'll use those. I'm big into perspectives about people. If I want to talk to a business partner, I have a perspective for that person. I have a perspective for my daughter, for example, if I need to talk to her about something. So I'll capture her, and that allows me just to say, ooh, let me see, what do I gotta talk to you about? Oh, here, let's. The three things that I thought of last week. It's really application people specific because again, the applications are now everywhere. So I don't typically say computer or internet. It's more Slack or Docs or Salesforce or email or my daughter's name, my partner's name or something like that. Ever since I heard your first interview, I thought about this. Since you do onboard a lot of people with Arcus, you sort of have this mini test lab of like user behavior that's super valuable. And when people are struggling specifically with implementing OmniFocus or GTD or some combination of the two, where for you do most problems occur? Because you have this kind of closed environment where you get to see the same behavior over and over again. Yeah, I definitely, there's definitely some stuff that I seen and I think 40, 50, 60 people at this point. It's been a lot. Again, I just got off a call where I did the GTD 101 with three new employees. And the next one we're doing is OmniFocus 101 next week. So it's definitely happening. It's, it's real. The thing that actually I think we make harder for people is that we implement both at the same time, right? Most people aren't coming to us as GTD people who then need to learn OmniFocus or OmniFocus people who need to learn GTD. They're generally coming with no knowledge of either. And they are, one's an application and one's a methodology. And yes, they work great together, you know, peanut butter and jelly, but they are both pretty difficult. And one, GTD, is about changing habits. It's about creating new habits, getting rid of bad habits, creating new habits, and and making them stick in your daily existence, in your work, and in your home. That's massive. That's a lot, right? Then here's this tool, extremely powerful, lots of configuration, lots of features, lots of ways to do things but difficult, right? It needs some work. You need, you need to pay attention to it. So, you know, where I see people get caught is that they have, to, they have to do both. And so what we do now is we try to break them apart a little bit. I go for the GTD, get them to read the book, get them to go through sort of the 101. But as I teach people, as we bring up concepts like trusted systems, I talk about your calendar. Here's your calendar. Here's your hard landscape. Where is everything else in your life? Where are all those other next actions, those tasks, where are they? They're not in your calendar, they shouldn't be in your calendar. Well, they go in and then I say, OmniFocus. We'll talk about OmniFocus next week, but for now, that's where they go. So when you capture, you're capturing to OmniFocus. And so I think in some ways it makes it easier, but it is a lot. It's not only that, they're also learning all the Arcus stuff. They're, I mean, they're learning a lot at the same time. That's why our onboarding program is like 90 days, is because it's a lot to learn. So. At, but my real hint for people and the thing that we've learned over years and years and years is not everybody learns the same way. So you can't just give them, it can't just be like, here, go watch this video, 
you're ready to go. Or go read this, you know, getting started with OmniFocus document and you're ready to go. So I even just got off this call and I said, here's the resources. You have to understand how you learn. Maybe you learn with hands-on, great. Here's three people, go set up meetings with them and get a hands-on view of their OmniFocus. Have them walk you through it. Maybe you learn by video, great. Here's five recordings of me talking about OmniFocus that we've done internally, where I go over all the different aspects. Maybe you learn by listening, great. Here's 17 podcasts that we've done about all the different interact. Maybe you learn by reading, great. Here's three PDFs and a book, right, and something else. So the thing that I tried to say is it's not just one thing. You can't just say for training, it's just this PDF, or it's just, you have to say, A, how does the the other person learn? And B, it has to be all of it. And you have to reinforce it and keep reinforcing it. It's not just these one and dones. So as part of our program, like, or as part of our onboarding, you're supposed to, you sit with, as part of the things they have to do, one of them is to sit with three different individuals at Arcus and talk about their weekly review. Because now that's a human aspect. How do you, John, how do you do week review? Great. Then you go to somebody else next week. How do you do yours? So learn by others. Learn by show and tell. Learn by having conversations. Then there's go read these three blog posts on weekly reviews, right? Then go listen to this podcast on weekly reviews. So it's, it's the enforcing through different media. I think that seems to be the best because not everybody learns from one way and it can't just be one and done. <laughs> you just did a personal soapbox there. I, I just ran across a company uh, a few years back called Kairos Cognition. And they have this survey you can take that will determine the inputs that you're best at assimilating in, in information through. So we've all heard like auditory learner or visual learner, but it even breaks them down into like sub modalities like sequential or, uh, you know, branching. And, and, you know, I found out that I'm a high mover and high talker and I can actually input information. <laughs> high talker. That's a surprise. Imagine that. But it's a very personal process. And it's individual. Uh, you know, we talk about people ask me, do you separate out your OmniFocus work and home? And I always say no, because my brain doesn't separate out work and home. Uh, you know, it's like I don't keep tasks for work in, in one system and tasks for home in another system because my brain doesn't work that way. You know, buy milk and respond to client is in the same second. And I don't want to have my brain then have to go, ooh, capture buy milk, ooh, go to this system. Oh, respond to client, ooh, cap- go to this system. I want it to be ubiquitous. I want it to be able to in one place. I actually find, I know when somebody, and I think I might have said this in the last one, but I know what somebody at Arcus has truly like got it, the big quote unquote got it, is when they implement their personal life. And when they see their life and the things in their life like, renovating the the sunroom or going on a trip or doing a birthday party for their kid when they see those as projects in omnifocus then i know oh you get it right it's all one place it's one trusted system it is your other part of your other brain and then everything else clicks when they just use it for arcus and just for work i'm like eh, now you're just using it as just a tool and you're not really going deep on it You mentioned in one of our emails before this interview that the real power, like the real power of OmniFocus is automation, this idea of deferring and perspectives and repeating behavior. And uh, you talk a lot about automating your life with OmniFocus. So what does that currently look like? Or maybe from a beginner's perspective, how do you recommend, how do you recommend somebody implements that? Sure. I think it starts with the concept of the, the basic concept, you know, number one on the list is capture. If I don't want to have thoughts more than once, right? I don't want to have to worry about getting the dog on a yearly 
get the pill refilled every six months for the dog or that I have to water the plant. Or, so automation starts with what are all those things in your brain that, are, that you have to do that happen more than once, right? And that you need to stop thinking about or trying to remember and get OmniFocus to do it for you. So it really starts with like just getting it out of your head. The less I can store in my brain, right? The less my brain is worrying about all these kind of things that happen in my life from filing my taxes to holidays or things that happen all the time, my birthday or my kid's birthday. All this stuff is like these things that happen every year. Why don't I just automate OmniFocus to be the holder of that information? Why don't I tell OmniFocus you remind me when that's important for me to start thinking about that. You have the things I need to do on it. You come up into my view at the exact time that makes sense. I'll set you up to do it and then you do it. Automating is just saying, I don't want to worry about that stuff on a day-to-day basis. I don't even want to see it, but I want OmniFocus to come up and show me at the exact right time when I need to start thinking about Thanksgiving, right? So maybe it's October 11th is when the Thanksgiving project has a deferred date of. All of a sudden it shows up in my view. Oh, October 11th, oh, Thanksgiving, that's right, that's coming up, right? And then it has a whole bunch of tasks in it, stuff that I've done in the years before. And this works over and over again. I have so many of these projects. You set them up, you give them a deferred date, you give them a due date, you say mark completed on last action, you give them a, a repeating cycle, right? That's super powerful in, in OmniFocus that you can have these very customized every 10 days, every 30 days, every three months, every 90 days, put them in OmniFocus and then forget it. Uh, one of my ones that I, it actually always surprises me that it's in OmniFocus, but I love it every time I see it, is to check the fire extinguishers. It shows up and I'm like, oh, check the fire extinguishers, right? Because you have to check them every whatever, six months to make sure that they're still working, right? You go over them, you look at them. But if I don't automate that, then my brain somewhere when I'm taking a shower or falling asleep goes, oh, fire extinguishers, right? I don't want that in my life. So there's so many things, all your financial commitments, automate them, put them in OmniFocus, all of your, even your personal life with check-ins with people. There's people in my life who I've automated OmniFocus to have a cadence to check in with them. You know, how about building better habits? Like a lot of people want to build better workout habits or self-maintenance habits like brushing your teeth or flossing or doing yoga. Well, have OmniFocus be the impetus to do that for you and to help build that. So just automate it in OmniFocus, get the project in there, set it up to repeat, and then boom, then it shows up in the right time reminds you, and then you can do it. I added one the other day, a very simple one. I have a Christmas tree, I set it up, and the instruction said, you gotta water this every day. I'm like, oh, every day, really? And then it's like, every day. So I quickly went in, built a little project in OmniFocus. It's do every day, repeat every day with two things, like water tree, and I don't know, look at tree, or water tree and do something, then it shows up every day. And, oh yeah, right, I gotta water the tree today, because I don't wanna have to remember that. So that's what I mean by automating. I think it's, it's extremely powerful and it gets so much out of your head and I can put in stuff that's due in 2028 into OmniFocus and know it'll be there for me when 2028 comes around. I think that's exemplary, but at the same time, I can hear somebody just pushing back saying like, you know, that might be great for you, Jason, but that's just like way too far beyond where I am or where I want to be in my life. But like, uh, why would you do that? Like, why do you, why do you feel like the effort is worth the output? My theory is I want to be really good at forgetting. And I think I'm really good at forgetting. 
because I don't want to try to remember these things. I don't want to try to remember when I'm supposed to pay that tuition bill or to do that other thing. I don't want to remember that. So my job is to let this tool do that for me. And the more I can get out of my head, again, it's the basic principle, get it out of your head. But now I have a way of getting out of my head and making it so it just shows up when I need it to show up. And that's the power is because I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to have to ever have that thought of, oh, oh, I forgot. The more I automate it, the better. And I would say it's more, it's more of like, what else can I put in there that makes my life easier? Because every time I do this, it allows my head to be clear. It allows me to be more present with my friends when I'm sitting there with them or out for a drink. We used to do that, go out for drinks. Now we don't do that anymore. But you have those friends, but you have those friends where you're sitting with and they just have thought, thought, thought show up and they have to interrupt and get on and tell, oh, I forgot to do that. I forgot to pay the babysitter. Oh, I forgot to do, I got to go take out the recycling. Oh, you know, it's like, why do you want to live like that? As David Allen, I think one of his famous ones, he actually came and talked to Arcus internally after we did the interview as a, as a favor, which was really nice. And we had a bunch of questions internally and he called somebody out and he's like, why are you addicted to stress? <laughs> it's like, and I know he said it before, but I love it. And I use that with people all the time. We see these stressed out people and and they're, they got so many things flying at them, these hundreds of commitments that are just all over the place. And I'm like, why do you want to live like that? That doesn't seem like a fun place to live. So that's why I do it is because I don't want to live like that. The weekly review is big for you. Managing by the numbers for stress levels is huge. Uh, Is there anything else that, man, you wish people would know? I like to talk to and sort of work through why we need this now, right? And I just did this presentation where I, I show a slide. And the slide is a hundred years ago to today, right? In terms of like stress levels and what you have. And on one side I bring up, I'm like, okay, a hundred years ago, you were a farmer, you were a factory worker, you were a teacher, you were a doctor, you worked in an office. How many emails did you get? How many text messages? How many meetings? How many interruptions did you have? How many notifications? You know, zero, 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 zero. What was your commitments? How many things you were committed to? You know, it's low, it's five to 10 things. And then I throw the one next to it and I say, okay, how about now? What's your life look like now? 50 to 300 emails, 20 to 30 texts, 150 notifications a day, commitments left and right. And everybody complains about stress levels and I'm stressed and I'm overly this. And and it's the why, because I like to start with that when I get people into GT, it's like, why do we need this? Is because our brains have not evolved in the last hundred years to deal with the amount of information flow coming towards us. We need different systems. We need different things to help us get there because our brains aren't ready for it. Maybe in a thousand years when we're on Mars, our brains will adapt, but right now they're not adapted. They are overwhelmed. They can still only hold three things, you know? They're not good at this. So we need other systems to help us. And that's where GTD as a methodology and OmniFocus as a tool are really, really helpful. And that's why we need them. It's not just a nice to have, it's, it's a need. Do you have any recommended go-to talks or books or audios for people to improve their productivity? Uh, there's Getting Things Done. I know you do a podcast, uh, Cloud Focus Weekly. Well, since you mentioned Cloud Focus Weekly, <laughs> I mean, you brought it up. So what am I going to stop you? So I went and I looked, and we did 15 episodes on GTD. We did 15 separate episodes on different aspects of it. We did a whole hour and a half on the week review. We did one on capture. We did one on commitments. We did one on 
all these things. So that is actually a great resource. On the book side, I mentioned The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Those are two of my favorites and actually things we ask people at Arcus to read. The Dip by Seth Godin is amazing, uh, really about a level of focus and getting to work, the things you need to do. I actually mentioned this on the call just an hour ago, GTD for teens. I love giving people GTD for teens. I bought a stack of them and I just go to my friends who I think can't maybe handle GTD, but maybe can handle GTD for teens. And I hand them the book and I say, okay, read this. It's not a baby book. It will help you pick some things out of it. So I love that one. And I'm a big fan of Jason Fried and his rework, that one. And it doesn't have to suck, which is totally true. On the podcast side, I really like the two GTD ones that are sort of the offshoots from the main GTD podcast. So GTD Nordic and GTD by Next Actions. And I think there's a good one-two punch of sort of different perspectives. And I like the way that they talk about things. Again, I think it's really helpful for people to hear how other people do it, right? It's hard because it's so personal to you. It's like, you can't watch someone on a video do GTD, right? You can watch someone jump up and down or learn how to TikTok or lift weights or get on a Peloton. You can see that, but you can't see how people can GTD. So to learn it is kind of tough because the instructional videos just aren't there. So listening to people and hearing how they do it, I find very, very helpful. So I like those two from the podcast series. You know, reading or like blogs, obviously the Arcus blog, there is actually a ton of GTD content up there, like the eight tips after 800 weekly reviews. That's a lot in there. I do write blog posts about, there's one that I wrote a couple of years ago called the weekly review tune-up for the new year. Uh, so that'd be a good one to read in 2021. Those are the ones I would suggest, but we'd put out a lot of content. Those are the ones that I like. That's perfect. And how can people get in contact with you if they're interested in finding more about what you're doing or what you're up to or just want to connect? I would say go to Twitter. That's my that's my one social channel of choice. So I'm Jason M. Atwood on Twitter. From there, there's links to the Arcus website where the blog and podcasts are. I pretty much tweet about Salesforce and GTD things pretty frequently. One of my things that we agreed with one of my business partners was his way of building his habit for GTD is he tweets every week when he's about to do his weekly review. So I've actually built that into my habit too. So it's a nice little tip is like to make that commitment to do something, turn it from being an internal commitment, like, oh, I've got to do my weekly review to an external commitment. Oh, I'm going to tell the world I'm doing my weekly review. And that we've kind of built in. And a lot of people at Arcus actually tweet that they're doing their weekly review as they're, as they're starting Salvoy into getting into it and as a way to make that into sort of, yeah, more a bigger commitment. Jason, you're awesome. Thank you so much for your time and, and just spending it with us today. No problem. It's been a pleasure again. And thank all of you for listening today. Hey, we're curious. Are you enjoying the shows? Are you enjoying uh, learning how people are getting things done utilizing Omni software and products? Drop us a line at The Omni Show on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you there. You can also find out everything that's happening with the Omni Group at omnigroup.com slash blog. Oh,